The reading this morning is from Psalm 103, and in your Bible on your chair, it's on page 605. It starts on bottom right, page 605. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, and good morning, all. Um, I just want to thank the AV people. It's just all gone horribly wrong. And uh, so just want to just give a shout out to the Sound and AV because they are our unsung heroes of a service because when it works we don't notice them when it doesn't work we really notice them so uh, thank you everybody actually who does AV and sound so I'm going to start with a little prayer because I have a little video to show you but at the moment that's not going to happen so let's pray together and uh, enjoy this word from God Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for your word to us through this psalm. And may it encourage us and build us up and make us more like you. Amen. Next Tuesday, Tuesday the 9th, is actually um, a special day because it's Robin Martyr's uh, Thanksgiving service here, funeral service. But um, it's also my 25th wedding anniversary. So uh, unfortunately, I won't be here, yes, because I'll be celebrating with my husband. He's actually booked a night away. Um, so I won't be with you on Tuesday. But 1994, 25 years ago, was a quite a significant year for us. Um, and also actually for the whole world, because in April of 1994, a few months before we got married, 
there was a terrible genocide in Africa, in Rwanda. And I had worked in Rwanda with a tear fund nurse called Leslie Belinda for about six or seven months, a few years prior to that in the um, early 1990s. And Leslie, after I um, had been with her, we became very good friends. You can imagine two single ladies living together in Africa. She was a Scot. After I left, uh, a few months, probably about a year or so after I left, she married a Rwandan pastor called Charles. And then at the time of the genocide, after they'd only been married a couple of years, she was actually in Kenya with her sister having a bit of a break. But he was in Rwanda, and she never saw him again. He, he was killed in the genocide along with, well, nearly, they think, probably over a million now. Uh, originally, they thought maybe about 800,000 people were killed. But now, um, I think the, the count is well over a million. And she wrote two books. She wrote a book called The Color of Darkness, and then she wrote another book called With What Remains, which was her story of going back 10 years later and perhaps meeting uh, who she thought might be um, her husband's killers. And when I reflect on this morning and on a God of forgiveness, I think to myself, who am I to talk about forgiveness? Who am I to talk about forgiveness? And the clip I was going to show you is of a couple called, oh, wonderful, Rod. Shall we hear it? I'll, I'll introduce it. We'll try. I'll introduce it. It's a couple called uh, Rod and V, and some of you might have seen it if you'd been following the Thy Kingdom Come prayer um, initiative. Um, they had two sons, Phil and Chris, and these sons of theirs were walking home after a late night. It was a summer's evening, so they decided to walk. But they came across, they sort of walked into a gang of teenagers, really, uh, who were very drunk and very high on drugs. And this is their story of meeting their, killer, their son's killers. The doctors, the police, and the hospital chaplain, when they walked in the room, their faces told us. Chris died that morning because one 15-year-old coward wanted respect from his friends. We're taken to our friend's house, and in the car I turned to buy, and I said, you know what? As Christians, we're going to have to forgive the boys that did this. Getting in the car, Ray said we might have to forgive them. Oh boy, I'm, I'm hitting the roof, I'm screaming. Don't talk to me about that. What I was really doing was hanging on to the rage and the anger and... Because I thought it was going to give me power over them at the time. It felt good. What I realised later is it's not good, it's destroying me. Then we had to go to court, didn't we? Yeah. That was the worst, uh, knowing that you're going to actually see these young men that, killed, that did this to Chris. So one boy pleaded guilty, I think it was GBH. He got a £100 fine, £200 cross for breaking Phyllis' glasses. The other three were charged with murder. I looked at Vi and I said to her, look around, there's no winners. As far as I'm concerned, the only winners in the case are the lawyers. There's no winners. You know, you realise over the time that if you don't put the glass of poison down of unforgiveness, you just keep drinking it and it destroys you. Ray always said to me, Vi, they can't have the rest of my life. I won't let it. I won't let them do they that. They took Chris and not taking me. 
it's coming to their term of coming out of prison, so we'll meet them when they come out of prison. So no one can say they're meeting us to get time off. We paused in the car park and I turned to them and I went, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this? It felt quite bizarre. We're going to walk in the room and we're going to say hello to the young man who killed our son. The handle goes down and then he walks. And the first thing I noticed, he had a shirt, tie, suit, polished shoes and haircut. That's respect. So I just got up and came here. He walked over, put his arms around me, whispered thank you. He then looked at by like a baby and said, may I, didn't he? May I hug you? <laughs> yeah, come on in. 26 years old, not 15 anymore. And, and he still looks like this little boy. And, and so I give him a hug and I say, hey, young man. He went, well, I said, we forgive you. Move on and have the future. Have the life Chris can't have. So I've learnt now to put the glass of poison down. But sometimes, just sometimes, like we go to his grave, I'll pick it back up again and I'll get angry. And you probably can hear it in my voice. We get angry. So we've got to keep putting it down. That's the legacy. That's the ripple effect they've left in our lives, that we've got to keep doing this. We can't all go back and change the past. We can't. Chris won't come alive again. But we can all change the future, can't we? We can get better. We get to move on a bit, yeah. you know? Chris used to say bad things happen, just get on with it, Mum. Well, that's exactly what we do now. We live our life the way he wanted it, yeah. That's the best. I think to myself, <clears throat> I think to myself, who am I? Who am I to talk about forgiveness? And as I brought that question to the Lord this week, I felt like he said to me, Sue, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. I'm the one to talk about forgiveness. It's God who can talk to us about forgiveness. And of course, David knew this, didn't he? In this psalm, we see how David knows that God is a God of forgiveness. It's in his nature to forgive. And that's why it's this amazing psalm of praise. He starts off, doesn't he, sort of exhorting himself, come on, David, praise the Lord, O my soul. It's like he's talking to his inner being and telling himself to praise God. And then you've probably noticed, it's a beautiful psalm, actually, and I would commend um, Brian's notes to you um, on how to read psalms. It's a psalm of contrast. It's a very structured psalm. Uh, and do take it this week and uh, reflect on it. Um, Brian's notes are on the small group uh, notes, and they're on our website, so do, do use them. I'm only going to really be pulling out one little bit of this amazing psalm. Um, but David starts with himself, and then at the end of the psalm, he's caught up with the whole of creation in praising God, because his God is so good, our God is so great. And, of course, he contrasts, doesn't he, at the beginning, um, between that state that we're in when we're like in a pit, dirty, smelly, abandoned, and then we are lifted and we are crowned. So the difference between being nothing and being royalty, it's incredible, isn't it? And he talks um, 
beyond forgiveness. It's not just about forgiveness. I'm going to be focusing on forgiveness today, but the psalm is praising God for all his benefits, his many, many benefits of healing and restoration. And uh, it's not just for individuals, of course, freedom and justice for the oppressed. He's a God who intervenes in our world. He's a God who speaks. He doesn't leave us in the dark, but he reveals his plans, his character. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Keller, um, the theologian, talks about this sort of dialogue that David seems to be having where we must listen to our hearts, we must listen to what's going on inside us, but it's almost as though we need to speak to our hearts as well, not just listen to them. Because we need to tell ourselves these truths, don't we? That's what we're doing in this series. We're celebrating God and we're telling ourselves all about who God is. We're meditating on his character. Because, of course, if we are his children and we're to be like him, then we need to know what God is like to be like him. So the the wonderful key verse Well, I think it's one of the key verses. Verses 8 to 10 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Maybe some verses that you have committed to memory, some of you. I know for me, this is um, a very favorite psalm of mine. And those verses um, are actually a quote from um, Exodus, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, when Moses met with God up the mountain. In Exodus, we read, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And it's that last bit, isn't it? We know that that that's true. We know that it is right not to leave the guilty unpunished. God wouldn't be God, would he? He wouldn't be good. He wouldn't be just if we just let the guilty go free. Justice has to be done. Those young men need to face the consequences of what they did. Killers should be brought to justice. Our sense of justice of needing to put things right, is God-given. And of course, this is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? This is the good news that we know that what David says in this psalm is also true, that God will not punish us as our sins deserve. And that's all because of Jesus. It's Jesus' death on the cross that means we, the guilty, can go free. The cross shows us what it cost God to punish sin without punishing us. The good news, isn't it? The good news of Jesus is showing us that God is 
completely just, but boundlessly merciful. The gospel is that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. And God's forgiveness has um, a scope and a scale that I think is just staggering. The word forgive comes from a Greek word which means to let be or to send away. And this is really what God does for us, doesn't he? When he chooses not to punish us, he's choosing us, he's letting us be. He's letting us stay in the state that we're in without receiving the punishment that actually we deserve. And it's as though he sends our sins away from us. He's cutting them away from us. He purposefully removes them. There's a real wiping clean, isn't there? A restoration. It's as though we've never sinned. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Infinite distance, conveying infinite love. And there's a quality about God's forgiveness that's also very special. And this is about forgetfulness. It's not the sort of forgetfulness of, oh, I've forgotten where my keys are. Not that sort of forgetfulness. It's a conscious putting out of his mind, as it were. Um, Jeremiah describes it like this. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, this is about the people of God, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And that bit is quoted twice in the New Testament, that God remembers our sins no more. It's a positive thing. It's a conscious forgetting our sins so that when we go to him and say, oh, Lord, I've done it again, yet again, he truly can look at us with love and say, what have you done? Because he has completely and totally forgiven us when we ask for him for it. He doesn't hold things against us. He doesn't keep that record of wrongs. He doesn't even wait for us to apologize. His forgiveness is free. And we all need this forgiveness from God. David knew it. There's a very well-known psalm, Psalm 51, where David recognizes that when he sins, he sins against God and he needs God's forgiveness. He says, cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be pure. Just to wonder, how many of us uh, regularly say the Lord's Prayer? How often do you say the Lord's Prayer? Just tell me, every week? How often? Every week? About every week? Sometimes a bit more, maybe? Sometimes you use it in your daily prayers? Because the, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us, of course, reminds us, doesn't it, that we need God's forgiveness. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. But then, of course, we go on to say these rather life-changing words, don't we? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. This is the call of God as his people. He asks us to be like him in the way he forgives. 
We are his children. He talks, the psalm talks about him being like a father to us. We are God's children, and we need to bear that family likeness. Paul says it, doesn't he? More than once, he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Jesus calls us to follow him, and Jesus modeled a life of forgiveness. That's my question really for us this morning is, are we forgiving as God is forgiving? Do we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us? R.T. Kendall, in a book called Total Forgiveness, says that this is perhaps our greatest challenge as Christians, our greatest challenge to forgive like God forgives. Because it is actually unnatural. I have to say that. It is unnatural. It doesn't come easily. And it is a lifelong process. Because I think we all have a desire to see justice done, don't we? And forgiveness is about letting things go unpunished, or letting people, rather, go unpunished. But in our desire to see justice done, deep down, or maybe not quite so deep down, we want that person who's done the wrong thing to pay. We really do want them to, yeah, uh, suffer for what they've done, to feel punished in some way. Maybe we want them to feel as though they, they should be sorry. It's interesting that um, I read somewhere that about 90% of the people who hurt you or hurt me will never know that they've done anything wrong. They'll never even think that they've done anything wrong. And if they did think they did something wrong, then they would justify it. So actually to wait for that person to feel sorry and to apologize is not godly. We need to learn to forgive them even when they're not sorry. We may never get an apology, but God asks us to forgive them. Sometimes the way we talk about how we've been hurt is a way of perhaps um, in an underhand way, perhaps wanting that person to feel punished. Maybe we talk to others about what they've done and that damages their reputation. Or maybe we just treat them differently. We give them the cold shoulder. We keep our distance. And the thing is, is that because we are all fallen, we're all human. And basically, we're all annoying and stupid and difficult to get on at times, aren't we? We all need this forgiveness. We need it here in church. We need it in our families. We need it in our communities. We need God's forgiveness. And so if forgiveness is, in essence, about refusing to punish someone, what we're doing when we forgive is we're letting God pronounce the judgment. We're leaving the punishment up to him. Because vindication is God's prerogative and God's alone. Twice we read in the New Testament, it is mine to avenge, says the Lord. It's mine to avenge. I will repay. And I think what I've been thinking about is that it's, it's his work, not ours. And he doesn't want our help. He actually doesn't want us to interfere. We need to leave that to him. So to forgive as God forgives means separating the sin from the person. It means consciously 
putting it out of our mind whenever it comes back in. It means not holding a grudge, not remembering it, not holding on to it. And it is, as we've heard this morning, a lifelong process. Vi said, didn't she, you have to keep putting the cup down when you're tempted to pick it up. Just to finish, as I was uh, praying about this uh, sermon, I had a sense of a picture of, um, it might have been because I was dipping in the River Itchin, which is very close to where I live, and it's a fast-flowing stream, isn't it, the River Itchin? And I had a picture, really, of me standing in fast-flowing water, and I had a sense of the Lord saying, my spirit of forgiveness is fast-flowing and clear and beautiful. And when you don't forgive like I forgive, it's almost as though you're standing, resisting the power of the Spirit in your life. And I felt like the Lord was really urging me and encouraging me to share with you this need for us to forgive as well as God forgives, to forgive like God forgives. And that's not just for others when they hurt us. It's also for ourselves, isn't it? Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. God loves us, and he doesn't want us to hold grudges, as it were, against ourselves either. He wants us to know that full and free forgiveness of his Holy Spirit. And sometimes it might even be a sense of needing to forgive God. I know that sounds strange, but sometimes we are hurt and the only person we feel we can blame is God. And we can perhaps hold on to distance or uh, feelings of yeah, distance or hurt from God. And we need to come to him and be honest with him and say, Lord, I need to forgive you. <laughs> you haven't done anything to hurt me. But life is difficult. Shall we stand together? I think that would be a good way to finish, to stand and simply to pray for God's spirit of forgiveness. Yeah. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Don't feel you need to stand. But if you want to, you may hold out your hands or close your eyes. <clears throat>